Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 50 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about season three of Parks and Rec on your There's Literally Nothing You Can't Do podcast. I'm Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. Happy uh, a week or so before Christmas. <laughs> I forget when this is coming out. 19th? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the 19th. It so it's, okay. it's, it's the week before Christmas. Wait, Christmas isn't on Tuesday. Hang on. No. Okay. Happy six days till Christmas. <laughs> you pedant. <laughs> <laughs> happy six days to Christmas, Matthew, on our only non-Christmas episode of December. Mm. And it's our 50th. Hooray. Hooray! We've been doing this for a long time now. Yes. We wanted to say to everyone that we are releasing a special bonus episode tomorrow on the 20th of December. We will be releasing the Eloquent Gushing Christmas present. Uh, Mandy and I, as we've said in the past, we are huge fans of Christmas. So we are going to be doing a bonus episode where we talk about our Christmas traditions, things that we love about the season, and some of the differences between the UK and US Christmases. Uh, we are also going to be joined by all of our hosts on Eloquent Gushing Podcast. So Catherine and Kelly should also be joining us to tell us a little bit about their favorite Christmas traditions. And I'm really looking forward to it. So we're going to be dropping that on the regular feed tomorrow. So on the Pop Culturally Deprived feed. Uh, so if you are traveling over Christmas, if you have time in a car, on a plane, on a long walk to see family, feel free to download and have a listen and join two people eloquently gush about Christmas. Yay, Christmas. But this is our only December episode where we're not talking about Christmas things. Which is why we had to do a bonus Christmas episode this week, because we have to talk about Christmas every week in December. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Parks and Rec season three? Sure. The third season of Parks and Rec aired in 2011, and all of the cast members returned except for Paul Schneider, who played Mark Brandanowitz. Season two guest stars Rob Lowe and Adam Scott returned as regular cast members. And this season covered several stories, including the Harvest Festival, Leslie and Ben's budding romance, and the marriage of Andy and April. So coming out of season two, what were your expectations for season three? Oh, I was all in at this point, and I really expected to enjoy it and laugh a lot. Okay. Did you expect to, were there any plot lines you expected that came to fruition or that you've not yet seen? I was looking forward to seeing uh, Leslie and Ben, and as I hoped, I mean, I did predict in our last Parks and Rec episode, um, I had hoped that April and Andy would be back together uh, when the season started, and they weren't when the season started, but obviously they got married in the season, so I was pretty excited about that and their little relationship, so that was nice. Good. Okay, so you were all in. Um, did you enjoy it? Are you still all in after season three? I am. There, there were a few things that I think were less engaging than others, but by and large, overall, the season was really, really good. And there were a few really standout episodes to me. So I'm really glad I watched it and I can't wait to watch season four. Okay. Which, which were the episodes that stood out for you? I would say uh, Flu Season, uh, The Harvest Festival, The Fight. I think there was one more in there, but those are the ones that are that I'm remembering right off the top of my head. Okay. We had uh, some feedback on Twitter from Agent Austin 9 who said that season three is her favorite. I think it's when the show really found its comedy groove. Chris and Ben are a hoot. Also, there's flu season, which is my fave. I could quote the entire script every time. I will be curious if you all enjoyed flu season as much as I did. The comic timing is just perfect throughout. 
I think flu season is my favorite Chris Traeger episode of the season, just because sick Chris Traeger is awesome. I mean, Chris Traeger says things like, I had a dream that she came into this room, stole my flu medicine, told me not to tell you, and then disappeared through that hole in the wall. The door? (laughs) And he calls his body a microchip. Oh, my God. The microchip has been compromised. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's great. I like it. And Leslie Sick was great. It was just all great. It was great. It has, for me, pretty much three of the best character moments of, I think, the entirety of Parks and Rec. Uh, For Leslie, Amy Poehler is the wonderful bit where she's trying not to be sick. And she says, if I was sick, could I do this? (laughs) And just sit there. (laughs) Anne's comment of, what do you think you're doing? Cartwheels? I wonder if there are several takes with her saying different things each time. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Ben with the chicken soup at the end. <laughs> like I made some, some you know, family recipe, homemade chicken soup. And I got you waffles. Oh, waffles. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, he looks so sad. He's like, I'm, I'm just going to leave that here because it's really good for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the uh, greatest moments of Parks and Rec for me is Andy... Leslie, I I typed your symptoms into the thing and it says you could have network connectivity problems. (laughs) (laughs) That is an incredible moment of comedy. It is. That's not my favorite Andy moment in this episode, but it was pretty good. Uh, My favorite is Andy and Ron together when Andy gets Ron the meat tornado burrito. Mm. And it, it just, Andy gets Ron and it's wonderful. And I... I had made a note early in this season that the friendship that Ron and Andy were kind of developing was really sweet mm. because it started from the beginning, from that first episode where they were coaching the basketball teams, which was a weird thing all on its own. But they kind of leaned into it a little bit in the first half of the season. And I really mm. just like Ron and Andy together. And you don't see it that often. Yeah. I, I think they played with it a bit when he started doing the shoe shine mm-hmm. in season two, and you have that sort of weird gay panic thing between them. But then suddenly they turned it around. This, this season they very much changed, like, no, let's just have people be friends. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It works really nicely. As good as flu season is, I think it hurts the rest of the season a bit because it is so good. It is a, a, an impeccable episode that's written so well, that the performances are great. It takes quite a bit of the season before anything starts comparing to it again. Yes. And like, I can remember watching it going, okay, I can see they're doing all the character things, but it's just not as good. And and for me, it's not until I think probably Jerry's painting an Eagleton much later in the season. That I start going, okay, this is some new humor. It's a bit different. It's quite clever. Okay. For me, it's a little bit earlier. I think uh, Media Blitz, which is episode number five, starts it just a little bit. But that's because they lean into Ben's awkwardness so much. And I can see myself in that awkwardness just a little bit, which is why I liked it. But I also (laughs) adore Ben. So, Yeah. And it is one of our first times we've really gotten a Ben episode. And it's also the episode where April and Andy get back together. So, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the other episodes you mentioned were Harvest Festival. Yes which is the culmination of a few things. And and it, it does a nice thing because it goes well, 
despite the you know sick normal sitcom things of stuff going wrong and the, the ridiculousness of the Native American curse on them. And then it sets up the rest of the season with Leslie having to come up with something even better that you then get in camping and you get her coming up with new initiatives and being more involved in the government with um, with Chris as city manager. I was disappointed in the camping episode, although it made sense. Why disappointed? I think because I was right there with everybody else and expected Leslie to have all of the great ideas and then she didn't. Right. And, and so I was disappointed that she didn't, but... It totally makes Mm. sense that she wouldn't because she had just done this huge, amazing thing. And so, you know, not every person has that next best great idea. Not every person thinks they're Tom, who always thinks he has the next best idea. So it was a little bit disappointing. And I was, you know, just kind of frustrated with some of the other minor storylines like Andy and his utter ridiculousness and not knowing what he was doing. So that that one was not a standout episode for me. It was an annoying episode. Okay, for me. no, I I completely agree with that. It, it like you say, it makes sense that it does what it needs to do, and it's it's good that they confound the expectation of Leslie having something, but that the resolution is she needed some sleep. Right. <laughs> it, it would have been more interesting to see her flounder a bit more and have to learn to lean on other people differently. It was nice though to see Ron trying to take care of her. And Ron stepping up and saying, I know what she needs and giving that to her. Mm. Even though the resolution was silly. Like you said, she just needed some mm. sleep. Yeah, that's weak. Yeah, reminiscent of season two in Galentine's Day, where he talks to her about her boyfriend and why she doesn't like him. Like, oh, he actually gets her. He just doesn't want to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ron had a lot of that during the season. Him sacrificing being in the circular desk in the middle so that everyone could go back to normal. Him pitting people against each other because actually it gets, uh, you know, it, to him it gets things done better. Mm-hmm. We, we had more wise Ron than silly Ron. Yes, but when we did have silly Ron, it was amazing. Yeah. It, and it's good because it's infrequent. It's not every episode we get him to do something. Yes. And I, you know what? I appreciate that mm. about Parks and Rec because often, and, and I will say this is, you know, only from two good seasons. I don't know what they do in the rest of the show yet. But so far, when they find something that works really well, they don't super heavily lean into it, which then makes it hmm. valueless. Like, you know, that that tends to be what people want to do. They find something that makes you laugh, and so they just repeat it over and over and over again. And so far, Parks yeah. and Rec doesn't do that. When they find something that makes you laugh, they figure out how to make that work best. And I like mm-hmm. that because it makes the laughter even better. Yeah. So like I think – Yeah, definitely agree. Um, you know, I'll, I'll probably talk about this again when we get to our favorite sections, but one of my very, very favorite things is when Ron Swanson giggles. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he only did that like twice in this whole season. And, and it's possible I missed some, but the one – the standout ones, it, it was only twice in these 16 episodes. And – you know, in the hands of a lesser showrunner, it would have happened in every episode. Mm. And, and so I, I just, I love it. It's it's funny because you can almost see it coming because they usually lean a bit more into him being a hard ass. And they do some joke about him like, come on, Leslie, get this over and done with. I don't care whatever you do. Oh my God, it's little Sebastian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We uh, had a really good question from uh, at Anna uns- underscore MCG who asked, who is the best couple in season three? 
And I think that there is a lot of discussion to be had about all the couples. So that is a really good question to start us off with. Of all the couples, who did you prefer? Leslie and Ben. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I love those two so much. I can't stand it. <laughs> I mean, April and Andy are a close second, but it's it's going to be Leslie and Ben for me every time. And if they break up and don't stay together in the show, I'm going to be devastated. <laughs> so not Jerry and Donna. <laughs> no but i i i really enjoyed the the game show episode with those two <laughs> mm. and in a very believable way because you do spend eight to ten hours a day with your co-workers so you get to know them really quite well yes yeah i mean i could have answered some of those questions about donna so <laughs> right <laughs> um so does that mean jerry and donna are your favorite couple of the season um hmm I'd probably go April and Andy, but it's because with the exception of that one episode, it's a fairly legitimate relationship. It's it's the one that is consistently, they're there for each other. They understand each other's foibles and don't fall out over them. It actually makes the, the relationship stronger. Okay, I can see that. And I I, I love the setup, the, the episode of April and... Uh, Andy and April's fancy party where it is supposed to be a party. Then you find out they're getting married and, and that there is this natural reaction of, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. You have not been together long enough. But then like, okay, they are actually pretty right for each other. Yeah. I was completely shocked and flabbergasted by this wedding. I mm. mean, I, I think I was saying things like they're not really getting married. Right. Like that's not a real efficient, this isn't, legal right like this isn't a thing and then like they were just married for the rest of the season and i yeah. fully expected this to be something that like petered out like it wasn't gonna last it was gonna be for a laugh or something and so i was very pleasantly surprised that this was a legitimate marriage they love each other they decided to get married and when you think about it and you think about these two characters that is perfectly in character for them and it mm. actually turned out quite nice i wonder do you think the writers decided to get them together and, and get them married early. But do you think there was almost a game of chicken of like, oh, yeah, we should have them together for three or four episodes and then have them get married? It's like, no, 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 let's, let's do it in three. No, 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 let's do it in two. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is only one or two episodes and then they're married. Is that it? No, oh, it's not. It, it might be more, but, but uh, whatever the example, like it, it comes even sooner than you might expect for a story about people getting married early. Or quickly yeah. love it it's it's a very brave thing to do but i think they pull it off okay so other couples were chris and Anne for part of the season and then they broke up kind of maybe yeah, possibly see that's weird okay so coming out of season two i was all about chris and Anne. i was excited about them i thought they were perfect for each other and then season three started and all of a sudden Anne was like unrecognizable because she was working out with Chris all the time and eating all this healthy stuff and trying to do all of these things that he liked. And the Anne that we had met in the previous two mm. seasons was nowhere to be found. And then they broke up without actually breaking up. I'm sorry. Like that conversation was not Chris breaking up with her. It just wasn't. Am I wrong in that? I, I think they walk a very fine line that you can miss it as a breakup, but also chances are you're not looking for it as a breakup. You're looking for it as a conversation. 
But then when you go back and you you listen to the words, you're like, okay, yeah, I can see what's going on here. Okay. Then apparently I am just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if, if the audience wasn't supposed to know it was a breakup, maybe. I mean, I would assume that would be true since we had that whole episode yeah. of Leslie trying to figure out if he was cheating on her when they were already broken up. So I guess that episode wouldn't have made sense if they were mm. expecting the audience to be saying, uh, hello, they broke up the whole time. It's just, it was weird. It was a weird beat for me. I like that. And I especially like it because she then misreads <laughs> it when he's back and thinks they're getting back together. <sighs> I mean, I feel really bad for her, but it also makes me feel like Chris Traeger is, like, the world's worst at communicating because he's just so nice and happy and peppy. And you, you think that every – even when he's saying negative words, they sound like mm. good words. It's just uh, – Yeah. It was awkward and a little bit hard to watch. And after that, you do kind of get Anne with other guys. The only one we see more than once is the douche Ugh. in the fight. Uh, and he is. <laughs> um, does she? Do we see any of the other guys? Does she go out on dates with anyone else? Uh, no. She goes on dates, but only one or two. So. Yeah, we see her kiss a couple of guys, but we never see her go on dates. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we get anybody's name. Right. Yeah, I didn't like that. No. I mean, more power to her. She can do whatever she wants. It was just... I think they leaned a little bit too heavily on it to make jokes about her. And that's what I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Although it did okay. lead up to... <laughs> the fight which most of the fight itself i didn't actually like but when they were like fight dancing with each other on the dance floor (laughs) that was amazing i mean it was only like a five second clip in the middle of the fight montage but it was epic and i loved it and we wouldn't have had that if they hadn't been leaning into this whole thing so yeah just hyper aggressive dancing (laughs) Mm. but it was a little bit frustrating to watch i think Okay. That episode, The Fight, is actually written by Amy Poehler. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. And it is done very well because it's a very short time span. I think it's mostly over the course of one day, the episode. Yes, it is. But it is, it is, yeah, it comes across very well and, and, and fairly realistic, but in her very optimistic way. When they make up at the end and they're like, oh, no, this, this person says <laughs> that. Oh, this person says this. This person is going to go and throw up. Well, I will join you. <laughs> Yeah, I I really liked that whole episode. A- apart from the fight itself, all of these actors do drunk really well. <laughs> drunk yeah. Ben was one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. <laughs> and watching them all slowly start to slur their words as they drink more and more. Everybody's wasted. You don't even one thing. I didn't even say one thing. And then she asked me the whole thing and I didn't even do it once. I'm like an elephant, okay? If I walk into a room, it's like, okay, he's in there. I'm going to tell you that that bitch over there. I'm going to tell, I don't have to, I don't have to brat. Baba boy. It was done mm-hmm. so well and it made me laugh and I didn't feel oh, this is so stupid and unrealistic and blah, blah, blah. It was just fun to watch. Yeah. I I loved April and Andy doing their role play. (laughs) And the fact that he makes comment to her early on along the lines of like, I expected you to be a bit sluttier. And she does not break character. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets this big grin on his face. It's like, oh, yeah, they are perfect. (laughs) They are absolutely perfect for each other. Um, That was a little bit reminiscent of one of the earlier episodes where they went on a date 
I think it was the first time that Andy took her out and he didn't have any money. And so their date was a, they made a game mm. out of it to see who could get the most free stuff at the bar. And that just made me realize yeah. immediately how perfect those two are for each other. Mm. Yeah, because that's that's all traditional sitcom silliness. But it does work because they are portrayed as kids. I mean, I, I think Andy's supposed to be a bit older, but just sort of stupid kids having a laugh and then they generally do the right thing at the end of it. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be like 30 by now. He was 20. He was 29 yeah. in season two. Although I'm sure mm. in TV land, like a whole year hasn't passed. So it's he's still somewhere around 29, 30. But yeah. he definitely does not act it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and again, they're not changing the characters too much. I mean, the, the the characters are growing and going through things that are changing them, but the personalities are not having to be changed to fit in with the new situations. Right. They're, they're not, uh, what am I thinking? They're, they're not breaking Leslie by making her a bit dumber to be with someone or a bit smarter to deal with something, or suddenly Andy becomes all responsible and moves on and April starts caring and stuff. No, they're still the same characters. They're just getting sometimes a bit more responsibility or doing something different although april does care for andy because we see that in that game show episode when andy gets all mad at her and she can't fix it and then she sings his song for him that warmed my heart so much you just don't even know like i was squeaking at the tv because i loved it so much like i don't know why april and andy aren't my favorite couple but i mean i guess they're a close second because they are pretty great yeah Okay, I'm going to round out the couples now because we start the season with Ron and Tom's ex-wife and Tom and the girl whose name I now can't remember. <laughs> uh, weren't they already Lucy? broken up? Like, weren't, didn't the season start with Tom broken up with her and he's like asking her, why did you break up with me? Uh, no, I think they're still together in that first episode. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Because he's refereeing the basketball match. And she sees him like being very anti-Ron through that. And, and oh, it's a concern right. to her. And then I think maybe this episode okay. after they are broken you're up. You're right. That makes sense. Yeah, Perhaps even the one after that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it very quickly turns, but both couples split up. Yes. I See, and I honestly, I had completely forgotten that either of them were couples in this season. <laughs> yeah. Which is good for Ron. Because he's better at being the sort of lone wolf leader. So sometimes he does the thing to spur on the comedy, like him breaking the coffee machine or uh, just some random thing in the office. But then also being the wise one to, you know, sort out Leslie's problems, sort out April and Nandy, pulling right. the, the strings from behind the scenes. For Tom, however, I don't think it's a good thing. Uh, I, I said last episode that he is the stereotype of toxic masculinity at times, and they go so far with that in this one, and and it's a bit, it's almost uncomfortable at times. Mm, I'm not entirely sure I agree with you on that because, mm. oh, let me see if I can think of a way to put this. He is so heavily caricatured in like two different directions. And one does lean heavily into that toxic masculinity, mm. but the other side is this very almost insecure kind of vulnerable dude 
And so I guess I, mm-hmm. I end up seeing more of that than I do the toxic masculinity. I mean, I see him trying to fit in and, and trying to be who he thinks a man should be. But he's not that. No. But he is so materialistic. Well, yeah. As well as looking for huge success instantly without doing any yeah, hard work. Yeah, they did lean it. into that really heavily this season, especially with the whole snake juice thing, the cologne thing, the... Mm-hmm. 720 startup with the John startup Ralphio. at the very yeah. end um, yeah they, they did lean into that really heavily but he does seem to be a little bit good at some of it I mean steak juice was good they didn't really give us a resolution about whether or not the bar was actually going <laughs> to sell it but you would think they would because everybody really liked it I, I think the hyper potency of it means they can't sell <laughs> <But> it maybe <laughs> they would end up killing all their customers yeah Okay, so we also had a good question from uh, Kate, who joined us on the Rocky Horror episode at I Do Human Things. She asked, how much do you not miss Mark Brandanowitz? Did you remember him at (laughs) any point of the season? No, not even a little (laughs) bit. Um, He is so not memorable that if if they hadn't reminded me when I was doing the history and production section that he didn't come back, I would have forgotten that he was even there to not come back yeah it's funny because there are some characters who leave shows and you feel that they're missing you you can you can see that there is a space for that character and then there's characters like this who leave a show and admittedly he is utterly replaced by ben who is a the same character in some ways but significantly better but yeah it just he did not leave a hole when he went oh no not even a little bit because Mm. I mean, exactly like you said, we have Ben. Ben is the Mark Brandanowitz that Mark Brandanowitz wishes he was. Mm. And there's no comparison between the two. And I honestly, I don't even really know why. I, I don't know if it's a, an actor thing, if it's just that Adam Scott has so much more presence than Paul Schneider did, or if it's a writing thing. It may be a combination of the two, but mm. yeah, don't miss him at all. Yeah. But when I think of, like, you know, Giles in season six of Buffy, you know he is not there. You know this show would be better for him being there, despite increasing roles for other characters around them to sort of take on the slack or the role that he used to do. Right. Mm. But that's because... So in Buffy, Giles was a core cast member. He He mattered. He mattered to the plot and the story and the character development of everybody else who was on the screen. And Mark had no function. Other than being somebody that Leslie had a crush on. And then went out with Anne. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot that happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he did have interactions with everyone else. But but you're right. Despite being a main cast member. He just didn't matter. At, at all. Hmm. Now, Kate also asked us another question. Um, she and I had a conversation about this. And I, I think we're going to look at it more deeply later on in the seasons. Okay. I am now intrigued. Because I could... I, I can ask you it now, but there's not too much that we can talk about. And I think she's looking at it. Um, she said her partner's actually watching it and he's up to about season five. So I think that's why she's got that headspace. Okay. Do you want me to ask you it now? If it doesn't spoil anything from future seasons, yes, ask. If I just can't... It, it doesn't spoil anything. Then, then go ahead and ask. And then you can ask me again when we get to later seasons. Yes. Um, so the other question is favorite running joke. Now, at this point, I think there's only, like, maybe I could come up with three or four. 
I think that's more than I can come up with. <laughs> it, it, exactly. They've only started some of them. And like, there, there were references in this season where I'm like, oh, that's the first time they mentioned this thing. But it doesn't become a, a significant running joke until later. It's just been a reference so far and then they will start using it okay. more and more. So. Probably ask me that later because if if it's a running joke that just started in this season, I'm probably not going to know that it's a running joke. Yeah. Um, so we, we have both said that we will try to keep a list of them as we go okay. through the episodes. So just note down right now, now this is a running gag. This is something they're, they're doing fairly often. I think so far I can think of uh, the, the thing against librarians and the library service, um, maybe Tammy, but that's not necessarily a running joke. It's an actual <laughs> right. character. Uh, Jerry. <laughs> um, I, I guess I would say probably Donna and her Mercedes. Yes, absolutely. But that's... Which took about half the season to, to be referenced. And then suddenly we got almost one an episode. Yeah, I guess we did. Yeah. It was like they forgot yeah. about it and then started doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I'm intrigued now about what else started this season that's going to be a running joke. Yeah. So don't worry about looking out for it. We will we will try and list them when we okay. actually get there to have that conversation. And, and perhaps I'll try to pick up about what comes in each season and then we'll, we'll go through them more at the end of it. Well, I suppose, does um, Chris Maybe Traeger's perhaps. use of the word literally count as a running gag? tuned like a microchip and the flu is like a grain of sand. It could literally shut down the entire system. So the mayor asked me to step in as city manager. And I, of course, accepted immediately because Pawnee is literally the greatest town in the country. Andy, that was an amazing shoe shine. I can literally see my face in my shoes. See you later! He didn't, he didn't pay me. There is a pretzel stand over there that serves literally the best pretzel I've ever had. The reason why we're all here is to bring people together. That literally is the most moving thing I've ever heard. Because mm, it's a character trait, isn't it? Yeah. It is literally a character trait. <laughs> Except that doesn't work because it literally is a character trait. <laughs> and he never uses that word correctly. Ever. It's so frustrating. Um, unless he does. Unless it is literally the best waffle he's ever had. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Rob Lowe is very good at oh, that role. Oh, he is spectacular in that role. Yeah. He's as good at that as he was at Sam Seaborn, and yet they're very different. They are. I, I think it's funny that in his very first episode, I thought they were super similar. But then we got more and more and more of Chris Traeger, and I was like, nope, they're so different. Mm. Like, not even in the same solar system. They're so different. It's great. Yeah. It, it's been quite funny on the West Wing Weekly. They do point out every so often where they can see more Chris Traeger in Sam Seaborn <laughs> than normal. Okay, that's funny. Hmm. I'm going to have to go back and see if Sam Seaborn ever uses the word literally. Or, sorry, <laughs> literally. actually, the it's not best literally. Speech I've it's ever written. Literally. <laughs> the way that Rob Lowe says it. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> can you just keep saying literally? Literally. <laughs> Yeah, um, I went and looked up because I was trying to figure out a good one to use in the, the intro because I knew I wanted to use 
a literally gag. And so I went and looked it up and like I had to like skim through so many of the quotes because they're from future seasons. And I was like, I don't want to know what's happening. Yeah. So I kind of got spoiled on something that I know is coming, but I don't know how it happens. So I need to not Google things anymore. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You need to note it as you're watching it. But you don't realize it's a gag until, you know, three episodes later. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> One day I will learn not to Google things. It's fine. Totally fine. Hmm. Uh, we had one more bit of feedback that I wanted to uh, bring up because it's it got two elements to it and so I wasn't sure where to put it in. So I'm just putting it in on its own. Um, Afrin Abbey at This A.E. Shore. April and Andy's wedding was the single most reassuring thing when wedding planning. It was very, very useful. Also, Harvest Festival is probably my most watched go-to ep of the show. Did it feel like a standout to Mandy? Well, I think we've already answered the second one. It was one of my favorite from the season. Mm. Mostly because of Ron Swanson's giggle at Lil Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> I I do love the Japanese news style CG animation about him casting <laughs> the curse on on Leslie, and um, him working out with Leslie and and doing the fake curse on Ben at the end was also nice. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, it was a yeah. fun episode. <laughs> And it was a nice payoff because we do finally get to see the Parks and Rec Department do something great, which doesn't mm-hmm. happen that often, sadly enough. So it was. It was great. Yeah. Um, I can see how April and Andy's wedding was reassuring for wedding planning, but I'm not married, so I, I can't really speak to that. <laughs> you are in the middle of planning a wedding right now, Matthew. So what do you think about that? Yeah, so this surprised me. The word reassuring was not a word I would have expected to be used there. Okay. Um, But Abby said that it was um, just like us. They did not have chair covers. Unlike us, they were not bonkers by the day and everything worked out fine because they are the best couple ever. It was a nice change from all TV weddings. I mean, it was nice. You know, they planned a party and surprise, we're getting married, you know, so there wasn't any craziness of flowers and cake Mm -hmm. and DJ and venue. You know, it, it wasn't stressful it was just a fun day with their friends and they made it happen and that is definitely very different from most wedding planning well my understanding of wedding planning since i've never planned a wedding but yeah but but that's my exact (laughs) experience of wedding planning um and that's what i'm going through at the moment so (laughs) but i can see exactly what she means that actually all you need is the two of you and your friends and probably some drinks and, some and somebody to actually perform the wedding <laughs> which we've got so yeah <laughs> T- talking april and andy and the harvest festival episode i do love their subplot in that i love you dude shut up that is awesome sauce awesome sauce it's amazing <laughs> uh, it's just it, it's a, a story that is done very often in sitcoms particularly one or other of them not being at the same place in the relationship and not being sure what it means or being afraid of commitment or something. So it's kind of funny when it comes that he seems oblivious and then he's not oblivious. And then it's like, Brain. oh no, of course I love you. I just, I, I don't have to say it back to you. <laughs> they, they go it's, to a It's different a little place, reminiscent yeah. of Star Wars. I love you. I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, because yeah. it's not that they were in a different place from each other. It was just he was so excited that that's what his brain came out with. And he didn't realize that Mm. he hurt her feelings by not saying it back because he's Andy. Yeah. 
<laughs> do you, uh, given this is Chris Pratt, you you've seen a number of his recent films, I think. I have not Guardians seen Jurassic World, nor have I seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I've okay. only seen him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. And Passengers. So uh, do you see any of that in this role? Mm. No. Good. <laughs> Was that the correct answer? So moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know whether it's just that he is still evolving as an actor or he's actually good to play the other parts because by and large, certainly the three that we've named guardians, Jurassic world and, and passengers, they are not hugely different characters. Passengers is maybe a bit more well, serious. I mean, okay. But... So thinking about the, since I haven't seen Jurassic world, thinking about passengers, uh, guardians of the galaxy and parks and rec, mm. they are different characters. I mean, Andy is a child and, you know, they're, they're, the humor elements across all three are very similar because Chris Pratt has some really good comedic timing and vocal inflection when he is mm. giving a joke or a facial expression. But I think he's a good enough actor that he brings it to the character he's playing rather than turning his character into the same thing every time. Does that make right. sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Yeah, because he's the one who, since this, has gone on to do big things. I think most people in this I, I've seen in other stuff since, generally. But he's the one right. who's done those massive blockbusters. Yeah. Orby Plaza's done some good TV stuff. Um, Legion, she was quite fun in. Oh, I didn't know she was in Legion. I haven't watched mm. Legion yet. That's interesting. I'm intrigued by that. I, I enjoyed it in general. It was okay. okay. Yeah. It, it took a, a while to get in, and the episode where she gets like more screen time is the episode okay. where it gets good. <laughs> but up until then, I was working at watching it because other people had said I should. So. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to move into our favorite moments? I okay. Mean, I know I've already given a couple of mine, but well, I, I actually, the, the one thing that's worth commenting on is just to follow up from a conversation we had last time that the first six episodes of this season were filmed at the end of season two because Amy Poehler was pregnant. So they wanted to get some in the bank to give her some time off uh, post-birth. <laughs> right. Did you notice that at all? I did not. I completely forgot that I was supposed to be looking for that until I finished the season mm -hmm. and went back and looked at some production information. And I was like, oh, yeah, we talked about that. And it's just <sighs> – it's one of those things where – when I watch a TV show, particularly for the very first time, I'm paying attention to the characters on the screen. I'm paying attention to hmm. the dialogue and the story they're trying to tell me, and I'm not paying attention to the stuff in the background. Um, right. It's very similar to – I'm listening to uh, the Moo Point Friends podcast right now. And every episode, mm -hmm. they are talking about how there are all of these clowns in the background of Joey and Chandler's apartment. I have never once noticed clowns in the background yeah, yeah. of Joey and Chandler's apartment because I've always been paying attention to <laughs> the people and not what's happening, you know, outside of what I'm supposed to be focusing on. And so, I mean, I've gone back now and looked at a few things and I'm like, oh my God, there's really a clown right there. How did I not see that clown? You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so now I think if I went back and rewatched those first, first six episodes, I probably wouldn't necessarily notice that she's pregnant, but I would notice that her blocking was different and that they were actually like hiding her behind a potted plant or a big binder or having her sit behind her desk. Got it. 
But the mm. first time through, I just did not pick up on it. I'm oblivious, I think. I, I think it, it it tells you a lot that you didn't notice. Because, yes, there, there are a number of times. There's a couple of times when she sat lower at a table than you'd expect, or the table is higher than you'd expect. Or, yeah, she's got a podium or a folder and something in front of her. <laughs> But there are also times when you get full-length body shots of her and you go, oh, yeah, she's pregnant. Really? But it didn't stand out to you and it didn't stand out to me the first time I saw it. It was only right. because I was looking for it that I go, oh, yeah, you can see. I mean, you can see that she's wearing jackets and quite mm-hmm. floaty tops. But there were a couple of times I was like, oh, that's really interesting. They didn't hide it as much as you perhaps would or, or they didn't not do this shot. They still did the shot and just expected either no one to notice or no one to care. And it, it actually worked because yeah, clearly you didn't not notice Not even a little bit. Good on them. Okay. So thank you for letting me do that. Um, do you want to tell me about your favorite things from the season? My 100% absolute all-time favorite moment from this season was when Ben finally stopped dancing around it and he just looked at Leslie grabbed her and kissed her and it was amazing i know i keep using the word amazing i need a better word like what is a better word than amazing because that's what that was amazing is literally the best word for it yes it is (laughs) (laughs) i was cheering i was so happy It, it just it warmed my heart and i liked it because i had been waiting for it like they had been like skirting around it for episodes and episodes at this point and then he finally just grabbed her like yes mm-hmm. nice. um i've already talked about ron's giggling <laughs> jerry's still out there <laughs> Because that is one of, I mean, just his facial expression while he's giggling is amazing. But like his high pitched like voice while he's doing it is, it's just, it makes me happy. <laughs> um, and also another Ron moment in the the fight where they were all drunk off of snake juice, and they did that that shot of Ron dancing in April's little glitter hat. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a gif you've probably seen several times. I have, times, isn't it? and I never knew where it came from because I hadn't yeah. gotten there yet. And for some reason, I always assumed it had to do with Duke Silver, and it had nothing to do with Duke Silver. Right. But it was amazing. It was <laughs> awesome. Ron's again. Wow, uh, there's a theme here. Uh, Ron had a line in the episode where he did the burger cook-off with Chris, and Chris made this like fabulously gourmet turkey mm-hmm. burger, and Ron put ground beef between two buns with nothing else. And uh, he wins because it tastes better. And he says, turkey can never beat cow. Yeah, that's fair. It is fair. I mean, turkey can be good, but that beef burger is always going to be better. And. Well, uh, turkey, particularly minced turkey breast, is a significantly lower fat meat. Um, I love cooking with it. But when I'm doing like a chili or fajitas or enchiladas, like something you're going to throw loads of spice and cheese and stuff out. So. You don't need the taste of the beef. But yeah, when you've got an actual burger where the, the taste of the meat is an important thing, you, you go with cow. I'm really sorry to all the vegetarians and vegans. but True story. <laughs> um, and I actually have one Tom moment that might shock everybody. 
I don't remember which episode this was in, but it was an episode where Tom started saying that he had um, all of these different sayings for different things, like desserts or zerts. And, oh, this was in the Soulmates mm. episode, I think. Because that's when he, he asked Leslie yeah. if he could yes. get zaps. <laughs> and then he started going through his list. And <laughs> what he calls fried chicken is fry fried chicky chick. And I started laughing and then I rewound it and watched it again. <laughs> Can I get apps and zerts? Zerts are what I call desserts. Tray trays or entrees. I call sandwiches, Sammy's, Sandoozles, or Adam Sandler's. Air conditioners are cool blasters with a Z. I don't know where that came from. I call cakes, big old cookies. I call noodles, long ass rice. Fried chicken is fry fry chicky chick. Chicken parm is chicky chicky parm parm. Chicken cacciatore, chicky catch. I call eggs, pre-birds or future birds. Root beer is super water. Tortillas are bean blankies, and I call forks food rakes. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up so much, but it does. Fry, fry, chicky chick. Hmm. Because I think we've had fewer of those, the, the montages of people doing slightly ridiculous things or saying ridiculous things, but we you get them every so often. I think mm-hmm. it's better for having them less. Because when they get to do it, they they do it for longer, and it's uh, it comes off. Yeah, it's funnier in general. Yeah. And <laughs> I I call noodles long ass rice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I liked all of them. Like they they all had me cracking up. But the the fry fry chicky chick just I don't know why that one was so different than the other ones, but it was great. Uh, and yeah. my last one is from the road trip episode where we're building up to this whole Ben and Leslie thing. And Leslie is trying so hard to to make things not have that sexual tension when they talk. And they're in close quarters for that road trip to, I think, Indianapolis. And so she makes the, the mixed CD of the most ridiculous random things like learning Mandarin and, you know, whale sounds and things like that. Speeches. And one of them is this yeah. like banjo medley song how about some music it's amazing what is this and so at the end somehow they've acquired chris traeger in their car and they're driving back and the banjo songs comes on and chris traeger just starts doing air banjo in the back seat of the car and it is amazing. If you just watch <laughs> Roblo's face while he's doing it, he's having so much fun. <laughs> and I really liked it. Yeah, Roblo does not get many chances for comedy of that sort. No. I mean, most of his comedy is literally in the words that he uses. Yeah, yeah. It's mannerisms, but but that sort yeah. of physical comedy, he, he can deliver yeah, it when he he's He did a great to. job with that one. It just, it made me laugh. And that's, that's what I'm looking mm. for in a show like this, is I want it to make me laugh. But then I want some moments to... Like make me belly laugh, you know what I mean, and and it delivers on yep. on several occasions. So, what about you? What were your favorite moments, scenes? Um, I've I've already said about the. <laughs> I've looked up your symptoms, and you could have network <laughs> connectivity problems. It, it, that might be the best gag from all of Parks and Rec. That is genuinely very good. <laughs> I I think my favorite episode out of left field might be okay Jerry's painting. That was because that I, was an interesting episode. I, I love they they do a lot of humor in that that's right. not the sort of humor they do normally. Um, you have everyone's reaction at looking at it 
and and they don't tell you what's going on until uh, Leslie finally right. sees it, and it's like, oh my god, it's Leslie. <laughs> and, and they blur it very artistically, so it's you could see what's going on. I think, like mm-hmm. I said about the strip club last season, like, oh, what was I watching? I watched something recently where they went to a strip club. It's like, <laughs> okay, this is a very PG strip club. What was it? Did, did we watch something? Um, I don't think so. No, it was on uh, on across the Arrowverse. We talked about it for Barry's bachelor party oh i haven't seen that one. <laughs> yes it was it was it was a very pg strip club um parks and rec didn't do that and they didn't do that with this painting but leslie's reaction you expect her to be not necessarily prudish but a bit shocked and, and embarrassed or something but the fact she's like yes i am half horse and i have a bow and arrow <laughs> <laughs> and the the empowerment she gets from seeing it it's it's a great character thing and she gets that that um, plait in her hair to make herself look like the character. <laughs> the, the the writing of it that you get the very um, conservative group wanting it destroyed and her fight against it. But but then to take the argument seriously and go, okay, so what differentiates porn from this? And and to start thinking, okay, so what's the difference here? You know, why is this considered artistic and the other thing isn't? And I I appreciate the the doing the argument even though they're doing it through comedy yes it's very nice and then at the very end where she has kind of gotten away with it and had the replica painting and she talks about how i think some goddesses are powerful and uh, able to defeat their foes some are tricksters there were many kinds of greek goddesses some were lovers some were warriors and some were tricksters and you see that she's had two paintings made and she just has this sly yes. look on her face. And it's wonderful. It's it's such a great, again, a great character moment that shows a bit more of her capability than just plowing on through it, through everything and just getting the job done. Sometimes she's actually very clever mm-hmm. in dealing with things. And that's that's a development on, on Leslie that you see every so often. I really enjoy yeah. it. I, I liked yeah. that she did end up being the tr- trickster and that there were two paintings because at first I thought she just had Jerry paint over it. And then when I found out it was a second one, it made that ending a mm. little bit better because I was annoyed that they did that. But I I mean, I understand yeah. it. But then she still got to keep the one that she loved that was of her. It was very nice. Mm. And then just to re- finish it off, they have her having a phone call with Jerry's wife. <laughs> because that is a question you asked through it. Like, oh, this is a bit weird. And but, so they actually answer that question. Like, no, no, nothing's going on. He just you know, was thinking of... of powerful women and i'm one that he knows but then you have tom having the conversation with her as well (laughs) yeah that was fantastic yeah yeah it's very good okay so do we go on to season four do you want to see what comes up next i do um do we know how many episodes are in season four i'm wondering if we can do season four and five together it's back to 22 episodes no we cannot Seasons four, five, and six are each 22 episodes, and then season seven is 13. So maybe we could do six and seven together. I mean, we could do four and five together if you want to do 44 episodes. No. Not sure we should. I do want to keep watching Parks and Rec, so I will definitely be watching season four. Uh, But I do want to pose a question to our listeners. Do you want us to keep talking about Parks and Rec on the show? We are doing one television episode every month. And so to get all of Parks and Rec done, we would be talking about Parks and Rec through March. 
is that what you guys want us to do? Do you want us to take a break and start a different show? Um, reach out and let us know what you think. I will definitely still be watching season four because I'm, like I said earlier, I am all in and I really want to see what happens with Leslie and Ben because they are amazing. So don't forget, use the hashtag PC deprived and mm-hmm. let us know what you think. Yeah, I'd be interested if, is there another show people particularly want us to get to? Because there's a few on the list. Star Trek's jumping immediately to mind, but we've got The X-Files, we've got Arrested Development, we've got some Futurama on there, we've got Twin Peaks, which would be an interesting one. Uh, freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's definitely, oh, Communities on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are definitely a few TV series we could do. We could mix and match if people wanted to flit around a little bit. We could continue with Parks and Rec. Um, or if there's a suggestion, if there's something you want to see uh, to find out if Mandy's seen it or not, feel free to make suggestions. Absolutely. Mm. And I'm just going to go ahead and say odds are probably haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, if we do continue, and certainly you're, you're going to continue watching it because you do want to see it, what are your predictions for season four of Parks and Rec? Oh, Lord. I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Instead of giving you predictions, can I tell you things that I hope don't happen? Okay. Which is kind of a prediction, I guess. So I hope that April and Andy don't split up. I hope that Leslie and Ben don't split up. <laughs> There's a the theme here. Um, I think that somehow Anne is going to end up working full-time at City Hall and not being a nurse anymore. And other than that, I have no idea. Okay. The end of season three, we had two cliffhangers. We had the introduction of Tammy One, which I, Megan Mullally's reaction to that is very good. That was hilarious. She just yeah. like turned and ran. Yeah. It sells the threat in the way like the, the MCU tries to sell the threat of Thanos. Not by having Tammy One do anything, but other people reacting with like, <gasps> not yeah. Tammy One. <laughs> yeah. And we also had Leslie being tapped up for some sort of political office and her being asked, you don't have any skeletons in the closet, do you? Oh, right. And her going, no, no, I do not. I forgot about that. That's totally going to be a thing, this whole political office thing. And so, of course, her relationship with Ben is going to come out and... They're going to get in trouble. She's not going to be able to run for office, but nobody's going to lose their job. That's my prediction. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I have no idea, but that that's where my <laughs> brain has gone on that one. All right. Okay. I want to give a big thank you to everybody who sent us feedback for this episode. And if you would like to send us feedback on upcoming episodes, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can email us using podcast at eloquentgushing.com. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. We are 100% funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give us gives you access to exclusive content, behind-the-scenes stuff, outtakes, extra shows, um, and shows how much you love us, and we love you even more for it. So go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing to find out more. Don't forget to visit the homepage, eloquentgushing.com, where you can find our other shows, as well as the subscription for our weekly newsletter that tells you what's coming up. We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about our final Christmas movie of the season, Scrooged. Until next time, I'm Andy Kay. And I enjoy a good artistic depiction of the human form. I've dabbled in nude, nude sculpture. 
I've posed nude. In college, I was in a nude production of Cats. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.